You're listening to a message from Highway Church from Jennifer on Mother's Day. It's entitled, Only One Thing. Enjoy. Illustration as we were taking communion, that we take unto ourselves the body and the blood of Christ. And it is not a weekly thing. You can do it at home. You can participate in communion, but it's the assimilation of this uh, living word that we want in our lives. We want the living word, uh, not just something we apply and it escapes or leaves us, but it becomes one with us, the word of God alive and at work in us. And it is actually... We're one with him, and he's one with us. And that's what I pray we get this morning as we read the word together and, and share what the Lord has given us this morning. So this, many of you have been to my house and has already seen this. Some of you have already seen this in my house. Does it look like an elf shoe? I, I don't, what does this remind you of? I don't know. What, I, don't, I don't know. This planter uh, belongs to my grandmother, my father's mother. Uh, It is said that she received this upon the birth of one of her children. I don't know. I haven't been able to verify that with her. She will be 93 years old this year. She lives in Pennsylvania. Joseph and I originally come from the western Pennsylvania part of our country. But uh, she had this at her house, and when she sold her house to move to a smaller home, uh, I said, I'd like to have that. I don't know something about the shape. and So it's got to be from like the 40s or the 50s. I don't, does anyone else have ever seen something like this in your parents' home? I don't know. I just thought it was pretty cool. So, And this inside of it is a coffee plant. And if you know anything about other parts of my family, my brother owns a coffee roasting company. And... Uh, and so I bought this for an experiment, and we'll get into this a little bit more. But this is my little coffee plant. It was bought for Eden uh, for a science experiment. And the idea was that living things respond to stimuli, right? If you're a, a characteristic of a living thing is that you respond to your surroundings. You respond to uh, what's going on beside you. So we had this little uh, plant from Home Depot. It was the only coffee plant. It was two years ago that we bought this. This was very much smaller, and I have three other planters at home with bigger ones. This happens to be the smallest one, so we brought this one in today. But um, this coffee plant was to demonstrate to Eden that if you turned the pot sideways, it would begin to grow upward toward the light. Even though the stems at that time were horizontal, they would bend themselves and position themselves to respond to the light and begin to grow, even though vertically, or horizontal would grow vertically. So that was the point of buying it, and we're going to see why that's relevant and why I brought that in just a little bit. Our two uh, scriptures this morning that I want to look at are Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, and then in the New Testament, Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at that. So let's take a peek at Proverbs chapter 4 together. Um, I think we have that right up here on the screen for you. I love this scripture. It is a uh, core scripture in my life, and, uh, and I like what it says. Let's read it together. In Eden, you're with me. I'm reading the screen, not 
my paper. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. You know, I was thinking about these words, give attention, incline, do not let depart, and keep. Those are the instructions for us in this scripture. And it reminded me of this coffee plant with the word incline, because what it's doing, it's responding, it's going towards the life. It's going towards the light. It's inclining itself. Incline just means that you go that way. You tend to go that way. You train yourself to go in a particular way. And what are we to go toward in this scripture? God's word, right? His sayings, his instructions, and his word. We're to give attention to them. We're to incline our ear to them, to bend ourselves toward the word of God and not let them depart and keep them in the midst of our heart. And so there's an example of this in the New Testament of a person who actually demonstrates this for us. It's in Luke chapter 10. So let's go there. This the next scripture this morning. Luke chapter 10, you'll probably recognize this. Uh, not too long ago in our daily Bible reading plan, we read this a couple weeks back. And so in Luke, I think now we're in John. Um, and those are at the back if you want to jump in with us. We read five days a week, Monday through Friday, one chapter a day. And by the end of the year, you've got the New Testament covered. And so we just read this probably a couple weeks back, but it says, um, I'm sorry, Eden, it's Luke 10, 38 through 42. See that? Got it? Thank you. Okay, let's read this. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And that's the name of this message today, only one thing, only one thing. And as moms, I want us to focus this morning on this. What is this only one thing that needs to be our attention and that we need to incline ourselves to. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for this time, and we just thank you for what you're about to unfold to us, and that it will, in fact, assimilate and become part of us, Lord, not just something we hear and goes in one ear and out the other, but that becomes part of us, that we do, just as Pastor Joseph said, become uh, aware of who you've made us to be and that we would uh, accept what you've called us to be and that we would walk in confidence in what you've called us to be. And we thank you, Lord, for your word that changes us. We thank you for answers that we receive today to our questions. Hallelujah, you are our answer. And we thank you for ideas that are coming to us today for what we are called to do. 
We thank you, Father, for eyes that see, for ears that hear, for a mind to perceive, and for hearts to receive the word of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So you know, this coffee plant, it will respond. It's living. It will do its thing, right? It's going to, to grow towards life. It's going to bend itself towards light. But I have a responsibility, don't I, as the caretaker of this, all right? It's going to do its job of responding, but I've got to put it in the right conditions, right? If I don't put this in the sunlight, and there are specific directions for specific types of plants. This one can't handle direct sunlight. This one's got special recipe, right? You're like, i got to send it in, in some bright light, but not too bright, but not dark. So <laughs> it's like, you know. So this one has its special instruction. Every plant has its instructions that come with it. If you're not familiar, you read it and you follow the instruction. But if I don't put this in the right light, it's not going to get up and walk itself over to the light. If I don't put this in the right temperature, it's not going to get up and walk to the right temperature, right? And if I don't water this, it's not going to help itself to this morning's rain shower. It, it's here it is, and it's dependent on me to do my part. So it's my responsibility. This is in my care, and I have to manage the conditions and the environment which it lives. Now, you know my parallel here for moms today, right? Are you with me already? All right, good for you guys. You're astute, right? <laughs> alert and hearing what God has for us today. So while children are alive and will respond, it is our responsibility to put them in the right environment, to put them in the right conditions, all right? So let's take a look at that. Do you know that God has given us authority. And I was like, do I really have to talk about this? <laughs> you know, I was like, this is a big topic. This is a big topic. It's a touchy topic. Uh, culture is not familiar with authority. Culture presents authority in a negative light for the most part. And I thought, boy, do I want to talk about this? But we need to talk about this because authority is a characteristic of God. He has authority. He has, he's Lord over all. And in order to know him, didn't Joseph tell us last week, we've got to know the character of this one before we can have a right relationship with him. So we've got to know that authority is part of who God is, and it's not negative. It's good. And so we want to look at that a little bit today. What is authority? What is the definition? It, it uh, is a synonym of the word control. It means to run, to manage, to steer. In some senses, it means to restrain, to limit, to restrict, to regulate, to repress. So there is a measure of managing, of steering, of directing. I always think of my father when I think of this because, as you know, as you get to know me, you know that I love to drive. And uh, I have been, I'm married to Joseph to supply him personal chauffeur service. It's part of my calling. And I don't mind. I drive and drive. We go on these long trips, and I'm like, you want me to drive? And I love it. I, I, I often laugh and say, one day when I'm 90 or so, maybe I'll get my license and drive big rig across the country or something. I don't know. Sleep in that big cab. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of funny that way. <laughs> But uh, my father taught me to drive, and one of the things I distinctly remember him saying is that this car is only going to do what you allow it to do. 
Don't be afraid. Because some people are afraid to drive because this is a big machine. But my father instructed me. He said, no, no, no. Don't be afraid of this machine. This machine will only do what you permit it or allow it to do. You're in charge. And so that was a good picture for me. I thought, wow, I have authority over this. This is big. This is powerful. This can go. And yet I still have authority over it. Okay? So don't be afraid of it. You know, people say, is everything under control here? Right? Right? Well, we can say that in our responsibilities. You have everything under control. That's, that's, um, that's authority, and that's good. We're to manage. We're to run. We're to direct. We're to steer in our different uh, callings, and especially moms to our children. That's nothing that you need to abdicate or let lay aside. You need to pick that up, and you need to have a godly authority and operate in that for the benefit of your children. You know, um, restrain, limit, restrict, regulate, repress, these are best applied to ourselves, <laughs> right? Those are more uh, restrictive, regulate, repress. These are aspects of authority, but they're best applied when we can apply them to ourselves. I would rather self-control than have somebody else have to control me, all right? I would rather self-restrain than have to have somebody else restrain me. I would rather self-command than to have to have somebody command for me. But children come and they're not prepared. They're not equipped to do that. So we need to instruct them in this. The goal is to get them to this place of self-control, self-restraint, and self-command. But because there's a lack of these in society and there's a lack of these in the family, I'm telling you how many times have we seen out in public people who you want to ask, is everything under control? Because it's obviously not, all right? Is everything under control? You got everything under control here? It's obviously not. There, this is a problem that we have in society where we don't understand. We have not picked up our responsibility to put our children in the right conditions and to manage and steer them. And it's our responsibility as parents and grandparents to do that. And so because there's a lack of this proper authority, some have trained themselves to only respond to force. And guess what the news media likes to pick up? The things, the occurrences, the happenings that there is force going on. And that's, uh, you know, it's not always that way. And this is the thing. Authority isn't always force. It doesn't have to be, but there is a time whenever uh, people have not trained themselves in self-control, self-restraint, self-command, that they then require to be commanded, to be restrained, and to be controlled. And so uh, I want to make very clear here that when we're talking about authority and we're talking about these things, that authority and control are not the same as force, Okay. Force, the definition I looked up for force, is to drive, to apply pressure, to push, to bully, and to lean on. And that is what we see. That is what is represented to us. That authority is bully. That authority is, that puts pressure. Authority is bad. Authority is negative. Authority is always putting the lean on. Authority is driving. I want you to know that authority and force are not the same. And if we don't make that clear, we'll start to believe that because that's what we're regularly told, right? 
But authority is not that. It's managing. It's controlling, but not forcing, all right? It's steering. It's directing. Yes, it's restraining. And yes, it's limiting. And yes, it's regulating at times, but to the aim of getting someone to do that for themselves. All right? So what the definition is in the dictionary, I forgot to read this part. Let me say this. It says, the power or right to give orders. Moms, by the very nature of the fact that you gave birth to a human being, hello, you now have the right and the power to give that human being orders, all right? You have the right to make decisions on their behalf. And you have the right and the responsibility to enforce obedience. This is part of the definition of authority. The right to give orders, to make decisions, to enforce obedience. The right to act in a specified way, delegated from one person or organization to another. Who has delegated you as mom the authority to do these things in the lives of your children? God. Not everyone can be called mom. Right? We don't, not everyone in this room is mom in the sense that they've delivered a child. But by the nature of that act, you have authority in that situation. All right? And so it's not a bad thing. And I want to emphasize that. I, it's, it's not for you to let your child make the decision. They're not capable and they're not able at certain ages. You have to make the decision for them. And I'm trying to encourage you this morning, authority is good, and authority is necessary, and, and it's good to walk in authority. Um, going back to my dad's example, he said, uh, you know, this, thing's, this car is just going to do what you tell it to do, right? If I slip and miss the brake, if I fail to, put, to, to apply the brake, the car is going to continue, right? And that's not because the car is scary and bad. It's because I failed to apply the brake, all right? So in that situation, and we apply that to children, it's very simple. It's going to do what you tell it to do. What does Mark 11, I know you guys know this, Mark 11, 24. It's, well, let's read 23 too, or 22. Come on, we can't do, we've got to do them all three together all the time, right? So have faith in God. When God says something, does he have any doubt that it's not going to happen? No. When God issues something out of his mouth, he has all faith that that thing will happen. And that's why it happens, because <laughs> he's sure and certain. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So I say to you, therefore, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I want you to apply this scripture, moms, grandmas. I want you to apply this to your children, that you can have what you say to your children. I don't remember. I was fortunate to grow up having heard the word and going to church from a young child and having two parents who worked together to apply discipline. Uh, at times to the seat of my pants. Yes, it's true. It still happened back in the 70s. There were still children who, did, who received discipline in that manner. It, I was one of them. And I'm thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that. Um, but I want you to know that, uh, that you can expect, if your expectation 
is for your children to do a thing, then you will have that thing. If you have no expectation, how can you expect to see anything? So I'm encouraging you again this morning to use the scripture concerning your children. Just like my father said, hey, it's going to do what you tell it to do. There is an age when the children are small, and when you tell them to do something, it is right of you to expect that it will be done. They're not to make the decision. You have that responsibility. All right? I know this is practical this morning. (laughs) I know. We're going to put these to work. (laughs) All right. But you know what? The Bible also talks about authority. Strong's concordance, I looked it up. And one of the things it says, it says authority to manage domestic affairs. Ladies, that's us. We manage domestic affairs. I was like, wow, it's really right to us. That word, you know, is in Luke 10, 19. Now you can go there, honey. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The Bible says that we have been given authority, all right? And this we haven't maybe applied to moms and parents, but I'm so glad I don't have to wait for the Bible to show me the mom parts, and that's the only parts that I can read. Or I have to wait to see the lady, you know, the the parts about women because that's the only part that I can... No, the whole, all of Jesus applies to all people. (laughs) All of Jesus applies to all mankind. And so when he says, I give you authority, we have been given authority, ladies. Oftentimes, I think that we are a little bit uncertain how to use that, unskilled, and so we lay it off to the side and wait till dad comes home. Wait till the husband can deal with that. But I want you to know, ladies, this morning, this does not say men, I give you authority. This is, behold, I give you authority. All right? So Jesus has given us authority. That word there is exousia. That's how you say it. You guys have heard it before, exousia, the Greek word. And that's the word that says authority to manage domestic affairs. That's one of the definitions of the word. Also, we know this in Ephesians 6, 1 three. Oh, come on. We love this one. Whoop. The parents say, whoop, whoop. We love this one. <laughs> Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Verse two, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That what? What's the promise? That it may be well with you kids and you may live long on the earth when you honor your mother and your father when you obey your parents and the Lord. And so even that this is in the scripture indicates parents, we have the right to remember to enforce obedience. This has been given to us by the nature of the fact that authority has come from God, comes down to us, and we exercise authority over our children. All right? Now, uh, I want to encourage you right here, ladies. I saw this this week, and it's not uncommon. We're guilty of this. We have been, and we're changing it today right here, where we are not very good at, uh, we have not been very good at receiving compliments. Huh? Has that been said about ladies before? It's been said about me, that someone will give you a compliment, and right away we go, oh, well, uh, I want us to stop that. Okay. Right, Joseph? Yeah. (laughs) He tells me, stop that. (laughs) So 
we, what we've done in the past is we've rejected others' words to us because they haven't matched the words we've spoken to ourselves, right? So here comes your little kid or your grandchild home from school with a mom's day craft and so excited to give it to you. And it says, Mom, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, you're hardworking, you're gentle, you're kind, and you go, oh, <laughs> don't do that, don't do that. And let me tell you why it has to do with this verse, honor your father and mother. What is the promise to the children when they honor their father and their mother? It'll go well with them and they'll live long, right, on the earth. When children show you honor, moms receive it. Not because you're so great, <laughs> but because they're exercising a principle in the word of God that has a promise attached to it. All right? So don't cast off, don't negate to say, oh, I don't know, I'm not so beautiful. There are thousands of other beautiful women in the world. Oh, I'm... Don't do that. They're showing you honor. You need to receive it, and you need to uh, applaud and recognize that they're operating in a principle from the word of God, and you don't want to stop that or block them from them. You want them to, to be participating in the word of God. So don't cast off their honor. Don't brush it aside. Don't negate it. Be glad that somehow you're representing your authority. Somehow they're seeing God in you, and you should be rejoicing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, they see me in you. Okay? Be glad that they see your authority, God the Father, in you in some way, and make clear the avenue for them to live long on the earth. Don't block that from them, all right? So we're changing that today. If we had put it off or uh, before, we're, we're going to say, Thank you, and, and you know, thank you, and, I, and praise God that you see what you see. So we need to become skillful in our authority, ladies in particular. We need to, and, and men, you know, like I said, you're not just looking for the parts about men. You can, you're gathering and gleaning this morning also from this. Let's look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2. This is the story of Eli. He's an example of a guy who did not know how to exercise his authority. And his kids got in some trouble. And so we're going to see how Eli did it. And that's going to be a lesson to us how not to do it, ladies, okay? So how are we going to become skillful in this authority? Let's look at uh, 1 Samuel 2, verse 23. So he said to them, why, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people in verse 24. No, my sons, it's not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. Okay, let's go. Did you put the next one in, Eden? I don't know if it's there or not. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here because I skipped one. So he says um, in 23, he goes, why? Right? <laughs> and I'm putting my whiny voice on because that's what it sounds like. Why? It doesn't sound like authority. Authority doesn't sound like that. But often if we're unskilled, this is what we sound like. All right? We sound like uh, 23. You guys are probably there. 23, it says, why? I hear of all your evil doings. No, 
it's not good. In 25, he goes on. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because uh, this is what the Lord had planned for them. Okay, is what the scripture says. So (laughs) let's talk about this. First thing he does is ask him, why are you doing this? If you don't know what the guys, what the, what the, these were grown sons, two sons at, in charge. Eli was the priest in charge of the temple. His sons were to have been assisting him in works of the temple, but they were doing uh, vile and obscene things within the temple. And I can let, you can read that for yourself later. But the Lord told him, you need to correct these. But he didn't go in. He went in and said, why? Guys, listen, when you ask your kids, why are you doing that? You know what? They have no clue. (laughs) All they know is, I just wanted to. (laughs) They don't, I don't know why you spend time. Don't ask them why. Why are you you driving me crazy? Why? They have no idea. Except it's kind of cool that they get this reaction out of you. Wow, I, look at mom wine. That's so cool. Let's do this some more. <laughs> so don't ask the kids, why are you doing this thing? They don't have any idea. They're just, I don't know, it popped in my head and I do it, right? That, that's not, they, there's no reasoning at this time with the children. They don't know why they're doing it. So this is a good example. Don't, no, don't even bother asking why. He said, no, my sons. He said no. And how many times have we seen this, huh? He says no, but there's no action to follow the no, all right? This is what's happened here. So he said no, but your no without action will not produce the result that you want. There has to be an application of the brake, remember? If I don't put the brake on, my car's going to keep going. Uh, Why are you you talking about clutches the last two weeks, and now I'm braking? And we're highway church. This is really crazy. so funny. But if I don't depress that brake, if I don't apply the brake, it's going to it's going to keep going. I can say no all the way to where I don't want to go. All right? And I can say why? No. And I'm going to go all the way to where I didn't want to go because I never put on the brake. All right? And then that next verse that I didn't put up there, but 25, he's, and I go like this. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? What, why, why am I doing this? Because you're talking too much. <laughs> Listen, there's a time when kids will understand your explanation, but it's not when they should be being formed, okay? The explanation part comes later. And I have a book that I wanted to refer to if you're taking notes or if you are interested in getting a book for your grandchildren or for parents that you know that you want to help. We use this book for uh, the years that we were raising the children as young children. It's called Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Shepherding a Child's Heart. And I recommend this to you because if you have difficulties disciplining your children, you find yourself doing what everybody else is doing. Why? No! And blah, 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 blah. You need this book. (laughs) This book specifically tells you how to discipline, and we're going to get into a little bit about that here. A little bit about how to discipline. It gives you a quick summary, zero to five. They're not ready for blah, 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 blah. They need the break applied, all right? 
And, and, you, and this is your time. It's not their time to make decisions under five years old. You make the decision. And then you've got six to about 11. Okay, now we can start reasoning. Now I can explain why you shouldn't be doing this. Okay, but these guys were older and adults. And they already knew the explanation and kept doing whatever they were doing anyway. So it was up to Eli to take some action, and he did not. So if you're interested in that book, you can uh, pick that up, Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Um, let's look at First uh, Samuel 3.13, Eden. It says, for I have told him, this is God speaking, I have told Eli, the dad, that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity, which he knows. I've already talked to him about this. Eli knows what he needs to do. He knows what's going on in his house and in my house. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. So this measure, God was expecting Eli to exercise his authority, to put the restraint on his sons, and he did not do it. Judgment came to their house, and actually all three of them died in the same day. Two of them died. The sons died, and when Eli heard of it, he fell over backwards and, and ended up dying himself that day. So... It's imperative that we don't lay aside our authority, that we learn to be skillful in it, that we learn to walk in it, that we know that when we say a thing, we can expect that thing to happen, when we have and operate and speak with the faith of God. So how about Proverbs? It's full of things. I'm going to tell you, here's how to be skillful in this. Start early. Start early. You know, if you come and take a look at this, when I got this coffee plant, there were probably like eight to 10 little teeny tiny stems in there. And I ended up taking them apart. And it told me that if I want them to grow, this will grow to about three to four feet whenever it's all fully grown. But if you want to put them together and twist them to have a nice decorative trunk, which we see you know, in nurseries and stuff, when do you have to do that? When do you have to twist them and put them in place? When they're young, you have to, you have to bend this thing when, when it's young. If you wait till it's fully grown and then try to bend it, it's not going to work. You're going to kill the tree. All right? Yeah, there goes that. So when they're young, you train them. When they're young, so start, start early. Sorry about that. Uh, so we train them young. Here we go. Let's look at Proverbs 13, 24. It says, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Or another translation says early. Okay, so you don't say, oh, you embarrassed me in the store and I'm going to discipline you four hours from now when we get home. That's not going to work. That's not promptly. And if you wait until they're eight years old for the first time you ever discipline them on something, you're late. You're not early. So you want to be prompt when you discipline and you want to be early when you discipline. Um, so it says he hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly and early. Uh, Proverbs 23, 13, I didn't put that in here either, did I, Eden? Let me just read those ones to you. They're in my little book. This one, so start early, do it promptly, be clear. Proverbs 23, 13 says, don't hesitate to discipline your children. A good spanking won't kill them. This is really the <laughs> scripture. A good spanking won't kill them. I got them. And, and I applied them, all right? I also applied them, okay? 
So, and, and, this, and I started parenting in 1998. So, you know, I went into the new millennium <laughs> with old information. And I think it served us well. <laughs> so don't say, well, sp nobody does spanking anymore. All the magazines and television programs and all the blogs and all the, say, don't do it. I'm going to go with the word of God, whether it's 1970 or whether it's 2000. So I received it, and I also applied it, and I found the word of God to produce good, righteous fruit, all right? Also, so it says be clear. So you just don't hesitate. Give a, good, give a good discipline, and that's what shepherding a child's heart helps you to know how to do that. As it's, I'm not talking about hurting. I'm not talking about abusing. I'm talking about a quick, hey, you got my attention. <laughs> All right, and I guess you mean what you say. All right. So, and then the other one, Proverbs 29, 15, it says, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother, all right? So we need to be bold, we need to be sure, and we need to encourage our kids, if your grandparents in here today, you need to encourage your, parent, your, your kids in parenting. I know the pressure is there, don't do that, don't spank. Listen, I'm gonna go with the word of God, and call me old-fashioned, but it produces fruit that remains, all right? And so be clear. Start early, be clear, be consistent. And you know what? You won't have to discipline as often if you learn to do it skillfully and use our best tool. What's our best tool? Uh, what does Pastor Joseph always remind us of Proverbs 18, 21? It says death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? Yeah. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18. Good. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Thank you, Eden. So this word power just means the working of the tongue. I, I looked it up to see, does this mean exousia? Does this mean authority? Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it. It just means by your tongue, by the working of your tongue, by making your tongue go to work, you're going to have death or life. So uh, our tongue often works over time, <laughs> more than it needs to. But the, it's just the simple working of this tongue is either going to bring death or it's going to bring life. It's not like it has, a, a, it's, you know, the, the right, it, it's not carrying the same definition as exousia, of authority or power. It just means the working of it is going to bring it about. So <laughs> you turn the key on the car, it's going to run. This thing is running, okay? And it's either going to lend itself to death or it's going to lend itself to life. And so if we use these properly, then we're going to be able to do the disciplining less. If we start early, if we do, if we're consistent, we're clear, if we use those words skillfully. And how are we going to use these words? Let's look at a bunch of Proverbs this morning. Proverbs 15:1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This is one, uh, boy, I, personally, I have to... I have to work on this one, all right? I'm just telling you. <laughs> Harsh words stir up anger. Harsh words do not work. And when you're in authority, don't switch over and think, see, this is the temptation is to switch over to force. If I use my anger and my harsh words, I will make them do. No, authority controls and manages, but authority doesn't have to have a harsh word stirring up anger. 
Authority can have a soft answer, a gentle answer. So how can we use our words skillfully? Make them gentle, okay? 15.4, Eden. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So if I'm wholesome in my tongue, if I'm saying wholesome things to the people that I'm talking to, it's going to bring life. Perverseness saying, I can't believe you, why are you such a, all that stuff, you have twisted what God has wanted. Um, It's a wholesome tree, a wholesome tongue is what we're to have. So gentle and wholesome. Let's look at 23, 15, 23. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. So you're, let's let our words produce joy in ourselves. You know when you say something that you shouldn't have said, you don't go away from that conversation feeling very great. You're like, okay, how do, why'd I let that out? Right, but uh, by uh, by a right answer, by a fit answer, we have joy because we did we gave the right answer. So we want to make sure: uh, Am I producing a joy? Are they going to have joy after having talked with me? And an apt answer, a word spoken in due season, an apt answer, an appropriate answer. Is it necessary for me to say this right now? And so this is what I want to take a look at at the right moment. So it's appropriate. It's at the right moment. I need to say these things. So this is becoming skillful with my words. 28, 15, 28 says, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked just pours forth evil. And we see that too. If you don't get over here right now, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you. I swear, I'm going to leave you. <laughs> yeah, right, we see these threats all the time. Well, that just fits in the bottom part. The mouth of the wicked just pours, that's just nothing. That's just blah, 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 blah. Okay, so the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. That's what we're doing here this morning a little bit. So we've got have a gentle word, a wholesome word, an appropriate word, a word at the right moment, a studied out answer is a good thing. And who's our teacher, by the way? The Holy Spirit, huh? So don't think you have to go, now she said study how to answer. I gotta go, I've got so much work ahead of me. Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. He dwells inside of you, ladies. He dwells inside of you. Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. If he's applying the break, you apply the break. If he's saying, pulling back, let's, let's make that a little gentle. You pull back. Make it gentle, all right? So you just follow. He's your teacher, so we, and we got him. <laughs> we don't, we're not without him. We've got him, so we're just going to go with him, all right? Let him be our teacher. You get what you call for. Listen, when you make a call to the pizza place... Taco Bell doesn't show up at the door, right? Huh? You wish. (laughs) When you call up for Chinese, you don't get Indian cuisine delivered to your door. What you call for is what you get, right? When you call for the cat, the cows don't come, right? We don't have cows. We do have a cat, and he does come. Sometimes a dog will come, too, because they're buddies. So you might get a dog if you call a cat, or vice versa in our house. But you get what you call for. And I wanted to just tell this to you story. Um, Mark Twain loved cats. I don't, you guys, I got any cat lovers in here? Just like, wee, cats. Teresa? <laughs> no, I'm just, Teresa told me last week, no cats. <laughs> Birds, okay. All right. But cats, Mark Twain loved cats. He would have like 19, 20 cats on his property all the time. If you've ever gone to Hartford, Connecticut, which we did um, some time ago, 
Uh, we got to visit his house. But Harriet Beecher Stowe, who was the daughter of a, and sister of a series of preachers, New England preachers, lived right next door. Okay, so there was crazy Mark Twain and Harriet Beecher Stowe, who was the author of Uncle Tom's Cabin, a very active abolitionist. And so they lived side by side. And when we went to the Harriet Beecher Stowe house, we were told that Mark Twain would call his cats in every night. But what we found most interesting was what he named his cats. He named his cats, one of them was Beelzebub. One was death. Another was pestilence. And he would call, death, time to come home, Beelzebub, come on, pestilence. And he would call these things, he, his cats, he would call them to his house. This is an example of what not to do. <laughs> You're going to call, what you call is what you're going to get, all right? You call for pizza, you get pizza. You call for Chinese, you get Chinese. You call for death, you get death. Now, I know the temptation is there when you see a situation that your children are in to put your tongue in agreement with what you see. But I'm telling you, don't do that. Don't put your agreement with what you see. I don't care what you see, you put your agreement with the word of God. Sheila Ray Charles, we had an opportunity to meet her a few years ago. She's the daughter of, one of the daughters of Ray Charles. Um, Sheila tells of being in jail. She was in prison, and, uh, but she had a relative, maybe a grandmother uh, or maybe an aunt, I don't know, who no matter how low she was would continue to say over her, you're a daughter of God, you're doing mighty things for the kingdom. And she would continually say these things over her. And now today, she's running um, a circle of um, concerts and ministry where she ministers her testimony, how she was in jail, down lower than low. And, but this woman in her life continues to say, you're a daughter of God. You show the glory of God. The glory of God resides on you. You are growing in his will and purpose for, his, for your life. And so don't lend your tongue because you're going to get what you call for. Don't say, don't run out in that street or you'll get hit. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, pull that back, all right? You can say to them, don't go in the street, <laughs> all right? But there's no explanation. There, there's the blah, 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 blah that Eli was given, right? Or if you keep going this way, you're going to end up in jail. Don't. The glory of God is on you. The Spirit of God is on you. The Spirit of God is moving in you, and I see you fulfilling God's purpose for your life in Jesus' name. So call for salvation. Call for righteousness. Call for wisdom. Call for protection. Call for health. Call for prosperity and for deliverance for your kids. All right? Listen, and I want to say this briefly. This is, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. I want you to affirm the kingdom in your kids. There's so much talk about affirming your kids, affirming your kids. I want you to affirm the kingdom in your kids. Let the world affirm the world. We are not of the world. We are of the kingdom. So let your affirmations be kingdom affirmations in your kids, all right? I just, I'm on social media. I'm sure you guys are. But here's what they are hearing. Here's what the young girls are hearing, the things that they get every day. What a babe. Gorgeous, beautiful, bay, queen, perfection, goddess, fire, hottie. These are the affirmations that your girls, our girls, are getting day after day after day after day with every 
selfie they post, these are the types of affirmations they're getting. Gorgeous, bay, queen, goddess, world. <laughs> Let the world affirm the world. But we being part of the kingdom, affirm the kingdom in your kids. I read uh, many years ago, Through My Eyes by Tim Tebow, and he gave in his book uh, the story that his parents would award them $1 for every character compliment they received from another adult. So if another adult came to the Tebow family, to the mom and dad, and they heard of something, a character compliment of their kids, they would award a dollar to the kids for every compliment they got. And they said, we did pretty good. <laughs> That's a nice way of, of affirming kingdom characteristics. Not just, oh, you're gorgeous. Oh, you're sweet. Oh, that, you hear that all day long, and what does it end up meaning? Nothing. It's hollow, it's empty, and it is not satisfying. So, all right. Instead, here's some things you can say. I'm thankful for you. That took real diligence. You showed a lot of courage. I want to acknowledge your kindness. I saw how you exercise patience. You bring joy to your parents. How creative. You inspire me. Thank you for your encouragement. My faith was stirred by that prayer you prayed. I see Jesus in you. That's faith in action. All right? These are the kinds of things that we want to say to our kids. And let your words not only um, affirm the kingdom, but let them exalt Jesus. Let's look at um, Luke 18, 19. Look what Jesus did. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. Even Jesus People come, oh, you're such a, oh, man, you're, you are, you're the king, right? You're cool, you know, emoji with the cool glasses, whatever. If Jesus had an Instagram, this guy was coming up saying, you rock. <laughs> you're cool, all right? And what did he say? Whoa, 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 whoa. Why, why, are, you, why are you giving this to me? There's only one who's good, that's God. And so let our communication always point to Jesus. You know, I, I really, going back to Mary and Martha, she chose one, only one thing. And we'll get there in a second. She chose only one thing. And this is what we need to emphasize in the lives of our children and the ones that we manage, the ones that we're responsible for. Emphasize Jesus. And I just want to give a warning here. There are people in authority who criticize there are people in authority who marginalize you. There are people in authority who clamp down on you, who bully and manipulate you. And the reason they're doing that is they're hoping to train you to need them. All right? Uh, they need you to need them in order to feel important. There are people in authority in this way. If you're going to do well, if you're going to succeed, if you're going to go places, they try to pull you back because they need you to need them. Do not parent that way. Moms, do not pull on your kids to stay with you, to need you. Uh, there was like, again, social media, what a crazy thing. Questionnaire a while back where it was like, answer these questions. Will you miss me when I die or can you live without me? Can you live without me? It's like, I hope so. <laughs> right? 
you know, like, these are the silly things that run around, okay? But the thing is, we want them to know that more than needing me, more than being with me, more than being in my house, more than getting the food that I prepare for you, more than sleeping in the bed that I laundered and made for you, you need Jesus more than all of that, all right? So don't, don't manipulate, don't bully, don't make yourself... I don't know, you know, try and get the praise of your kids. Um, I really encourage you guys not to, to operate. That's not authority. That's going back to that force, to that bullying, to that manipulating. We don't do this as moms. We point them to Jesus. They need only one thing, and that one thing will not be taken from them, a heart that responds to Jesus, right, like our plant. We want to cultivate uh, a heart that responds to Jesus. They need Jesus more than they need us, moms. We are important. We are managing now. We're shaping now. We're forming now. But Jesus is most important. So teach them to cling to Jesus. Teach them to go to Jesus. Don't have to tell me all your problems. You don't. I mean, I'm here for you if you want to. Uh, and uh, every decision, trust it to Jesus. Every consequence, every feeling. Every victory, every disappointment, train them toward Jesus and everything. And like Mary, the one needful thing will not be taken away from them, is what it said. So right now what I want to do is I want to ask the parents, um, actually moms, I, I don't know if you have a picture of a grandchild, a picture of your children, whatever it is, um, or if your kids are here, so I want my kids to come up here. And if your parents are here, go to your mom. So Mariah, Eden, Judah, I don't know if you can. Dana, you guys come up here for me. But moms, I, I want us out of our mouths to repeat this confession over our children this morning. Because I want you to, if you've never done this before, you can be like, well, what do I, how do I change? I've been, I've been talking like Eli, I've been whining and crying. How do I, how do I change my tongue? Well, um, I have this book I love. It's called um, Promises to Believe for Your Children by Billy Joe Doherty. This is many years old. Billy Joe is now in heaven. Um, his wife, Sharon, is leading the church, Victory Bible Church in Tulsa, but his son, Paul, is taking over now. Um, but these little mini books are fantastic. So this is called Promises to Believe for Your Children. And this confession that we're going to say today has come primarily from that. I also have this book. Don't worry about that. That's okay. Uh, it's called 365 Confessions for Kids. I use this with the kids, um, and they would just repeat. There's a scripture, and they'd repeat about themselves. So if you need tools or references to get yourself going, uh, make yourself uh, avail those to yourself. So let's do this. So moms... Danny, do you need to go with your mom? Or, or Maria, you can go over there. I'm serious. If your parents are here, I want you guys to be together. If you have a picture of your child, get that picture out. And we're just going to say these things over them. You're going to repeat after me. Judah, would you come on this side over here, please? I have two and two. Thanks, Rye. That's good. So we're going to say this, all right? Awesome. So you say it after me. My children are saved. Filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in all the fullness of God. Amen. Let's see. The Spirit of God is poured out upon my children every day, 
All my children are taught of the Lord. And great is the peace of my children. God, you will remove my children out of the hand of the enemy. You contend with him who contends with my children. And you will save my children. All right, amen. The seed of the righteous, my seed shall be delivered. My children give me rest. Blessed, quiet rest. They delight my soul. We dwell in prosperity. And my children inherit the earth. My children are mighty in the earth. And are increasing more and more. My children are strong. And of good courage. They are not afraid or dismayed. For God is with them wherever they go. And lastly, my children are attentive and obedient to the word of God. It is life and health to them. In Jesus' name. Awesome. Praise God. Amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.